This is episode 99 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today, Brittany Joy returns to the show. Author of sweet stories full of hope, heart, and happily ever afters, Brittany and her family live in their own piece of heaven in the Oregon countryside. They stay busy with their menagerie of silly horses, cackling chickens, woolly sheep, two very naughty goats, the cutest dog ever, and a very moody cat. When Brittany isn't writing, she's writing or reading, and she wishes she could do all three at the same time. Settle up for a conversation about writing to market, understanding tropes, building our backlist to increase income, and the ins and outs of writing sweet romance. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I am so excited to welcome Brittany Joy back to the show. Welcome, Brittany. Thanks for being here. Hi, Carly. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. We're going to have a lot of fun today because Brittany's been doing some amazing things, and she has a brand new series that we're going to talk about. For those of you that listen to the show or those who are new to the show, how I always like to start the conversation off is just talking a little bit about the horsey aspects of our life. And the last time Brittany was on the show, we talked about cowboy dressage. But today, I want to hear, have you had any new Horsey adventures since the last time we talked? I've had some really fun adventures, but it's mostly been like trail riding for me, just because I know like the last couple of years have been obviously very interesting with everything happening with COVID and that the first year in 2020, all the competitions in the area for me, we didn't have any. I'm in Oregon and stuff really shut down hardcore here. So we didn't have any competitions in 2020. So I, and I kind of learned actually that I am really motivated to ride like arena riding training when I have a goal Mm. in mind. And so I kind of like eased up on that in the past couple of years and I've just been trail riding, but we've gone to the beach a couple of times we have a trip where I go with a couple of my my best uh, girlfriends and we go to a beach called Long Beach, Washington, and it is 11 miles of beach that is totally horse friendly. We rent a house on the beach that has a barn. <gasps> yeah, it is amazing. And so I think we've gone, this was our sixth year, sixth annual year that we've gone and it's it's awesome there. So mostly trail riding in the past couple of years, but I've also been spending a lot of time writing. So it has cut into some of my riding time. (laughs) I hear you. Isn't that, I mean, when we're busy, busy grownups with jobs and children and horses and Mm -hmm. writing and all this stuff, it, it is interesting to find that, that balance, but what a dream having a 
group of girlfriends that have horses that you can go riding with and hit the beach in a beach house with a barn. That is yeah. like a dream come true. <laughs> it's amazing. And I hear you on the, uh, the trail riding and the competition. I, I, I'm always, I was always like that too. Very goal oriented arena riding, getting the horses in shape for the horse shows. There's, yes. a, there's a peace of mind though, with trail riding that is pretty awesome to just enjoy the horse rather than working towards a goal and being out with nature. It's, it's right. an opportunity to slow down a little bit. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And even, you know, I've just been doing a lot of riding around home too. And my neighbor it's funny. So I'm outside of Portland, Oregon, and the weather here, even though we get a lot of rain in the winter, it's pretty mild. It never really gets super cold. So I still can ride all winter outside. And my neighbor has a holly orchard, like Christmas holly. Um, and it's up on this beautiful hill and he lets me ride in it. And so we go and ride through the holly orchard and (laughs) just do like a little decompression you know sometimes after I'm done with work and it it is kind of like a way to just kind of loosen up my brain you know if I'm stuck on a writing plot or character or whatever sometimes that's exactly what I need is just to go out for a ride or go out for a walk or something like that that's amazing I I love how our horses can do that for us just just loosen the muse up and spark some inspiration so I have been a fan of your books for a very long time and I've been watching you and you have been writing like a wild woman lately, which is amazing. You are the author of the Red Rock Ranch series, which is for a young adult Western melt my heart kind of sweet romance (laughs) series. You're also uh, the author of the Overruled Fantasy series. And we discussed those in depth in your last interview, which I'll make sure to link to in the show notes. But now you have a new sweet romance series for adults called Maple Bay. So Mm -hmm. congratulations. I'm excited. Tell us about the inspiration for the new book series. Absolutely. Yeah, this last year, like you said, I've been spending a lot of time writing and I've pushed myself to write faster, a lot faster than I have in the past. And everything I read has a strong romance. Everything I read has to either be romance or it has to have a a strong romance plotline. It's just what I'm attracted to. And I've always wanted to write a romance of my own. In 2020, I was home, uh, just like everybody else, I was home a lot more than I'm used to. And I did have more time to write. And I I wanted to try my hand at writing romance. And in the beginning, I kind of wasn't sure because I like to read what we call like sweet romance or clean romance. And I like to read steamy romance, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to write at first. And after a lot of like thinking through the process, I realized just personally for me, I would be more comfortable writing sweet romance. And so that that's when I started doing a lot of research on the genre. And this genre, I did a ton of research on it and I read a lot in the genre before I started writing it. But I wrote Starting Over in Maple Bay, I wrote that in 2020. I published it in January of 2021. And then I published the second book in July of 2021. 
And the third book will release in February of 2022. And so for me, that's writing really fast (laughs) and publishing really fast because all my previous books took me a year to two years per book to write, edit, and release. But I wanted to write, you know, with everybody in 2020, it was a crazy year and I needed a release in which I went to a happy place. And for me, that was the Sweet Romance series, which ended up being Maple Bay. And Maple Bay, so Maple Bay is set in a fictional town in Minnesota. And I am actually originally from Minnesota. And the town is based on what I would call my two hometowns, which is a very tiny town in Southern Minnesota, which is only about 2000 people. And that's where I lived and where most of my family lives until I was like seven or eight. And then another town in Minnesota, or Minnesota, which is larger and it's a river community. And so there's a lot of aspects of small town life in this book. And then also the town is around um, Maple Leaf Lake. So there's a lot of lake aspect to it too. But yeah, I just need, I wanted a happy place to go and, and to write in and to know that I'm going to end it I'm going to take this couple through this book and they're going to overcome their obstacles and they're going to get there happily ever after. Help my heart that romance is what you like to read. I am exactly the same way. I was like, hi, virtual high five on that. Yeah. One. And the cover is beautiful. We're going to get into all these things, but in writing faster, I definitely want to talk to you about, about how you got that going. I mean, obviously more time is helpful for that, but you were sure. saying you like to read steamy and you like to read sweet or clean romance Can for yeah. listeners or for for writers who aren't into romance or, or listeners who maybe prefer suspense or thriller, can you explain sweet to clean romance or, or what exactly that is to you, a, a sweet romance? Absolutely. So this was something I did a lot of research on, like I said, before I started Maple Bay, because I had that same thought. I was like, what makes mm-hmm. a book sweet or clean? Uh, what's appropriate for that genre? Because I wanted to write something that you know readers <clears throat> would fully accept uh, and you will notice that sweet if somebody reads 100% sweet or clean they may get offended if they think they're picking up a book that is sweet or clean and and it's not mm-hmm. so you really want to understand the the genre as you're starting to write in it and the sweet romance genre is also called clean romance or clean and wholesome and that terminology comes from the Amazon category. They have a romance genre that is called clean and wholesome. And really what that means is there's no swearing in the book. So no, no foul language. And then there's no sex on the page. There are some sweeter clean romance books that do have sex. That's like it's not on the page. It's called closed door sex. So it's like, it's the reader kind of assumes it happened, but it's not shown on the page. Mm -hmm. But I would say that's a smaller part of sweeter clean romance. Most sweeter clean romance doesn't have uh, any sex on the page. And it is different than Christian romance too, because Christian romance has a very strong religious plot line. And the sweet or clean, it's not required that it has like a religious 
plot line in it. Wow. So you have to kind of steer away from anything that some people might think is dirty. Like you, you don't write out the sex, the sex or uh, kissing right. is, is kissing involved or is it very minimal? Is it more about the attraction between the two people? I would say that sweet or clean romance is more about the emotional connection between a heroine and a heroine and not that that isn't part of a steamy romance because it hundred percent is, but it's, it's really fully focused on in the sweet and the clean romance and the physical attraction and the kissing scenes are just the terminology is a little bit different. You don't go into depth about, oh, I'm trying to think how to say that. (laughs) (laughs) It is, it's true, it's tricky. It's probably easier to write than it is to talk about, I'm sure. Like when I write, when I write a kissing scene, I do a lot of subtext in the head of whatever perspective that I'm writing it from, whether it's the male or the female. And it's a lot about how they're feeling, what they're worried about, what the tension is, what the conflict is. And the physical is still in there, but it's going to be PG-13. And I use, actually, I use a lot of like similes and metaphors and, you know, it allows the the reader to picture it how they want to picture it. So I would say that sweet and clean, a lot of people go to that genre and read in that genre because that's their safe space. Mm. And I, I would never want to make somebody feel unsafe Mm -hmm. and when they're expecting that out of my books. Mm -hmm. And so I keep, you know, just keep it at PG 13. That's basically a good way to, to, describe it. <laughs> yeah. And well, then that's interesting because I wanted to ask you and thank you for explaining that because I wanted to ask you, uh, how was it transitioning for writing for young adults to writing for uh, adults in, in these clean romances? But I imagine it's, it's, a, it's a little similar because you have to keep it clean with the young adult books as well. So it, it kind of flows right. together, right? Or did you find it challenging to switch between young adult and adult? I personally, I saw that when I saw that question, when you sent that over, I was like, you know what? I didn't really even think about it that much other than I was researching that genre. But for me, it was an, it was an easy transition, but all of my books I would consider are, are sweet. So I just moved into the complications that you get as an adult looking for romance <laughs> versus going through, you know, your first experiences with love and, and first loves and romance, which is what I, you know, talk about in my Red Rock Ranch series. My tagline or or for my brand is like, I I write sweet stories full of hope, heart and happily ever afters. Um, So even though I write in young adult and adult I want my readers to know what to expect when they pick up one of my books. And so that they're all staying in that, that sweeter, clean genre. I love that. And, and you 100% follow through on your brand promise. You've mentioned several times during this conversation that you really educated yourself as you decided to, to make this move. And I, and I love that you said you challenged yourself to write faster. So how did you take on writing faster? My ultimate goal is that I would like to write full time and make 
an income that I can support my family on with the books. And I, I know from what I've been learning that the more I build up my backlist, the easier that is going to be to make happen. Mm -hmm. And at some point I probably, I will be able to kind of slow down that that writing speed. But right now, basically, I'm trying to build up my backlist so that every time I have a new release, I can move readers into the rest of my books too. Mm-hmm. So honestly, I would say I read a lot. I read a lot of craft books. I listen to a lot of podcasts. The books that I really like to to read are to strengthen my craft and strengthen my marketing skills mm-hmm. because you really can't expect your books to sell if you can't get them in front of your readers. So marketing is really super important too. And, and honestly, I spend, I just spend a lot of time writing. I'm not the fastest, I'm not the fastest writer. I have a full-time job. And so I do try to wake up early in the morning because that's when I know that I'm most creative before I've gone through the work day. And that kind of zaps me of my energy and creative thought process. In the summertime, I I can write a lot. I can write in the evenings because I will write outside when it's still sunny. And that kind of gives me a little bit more motivation than like the dark and dreary (laughs) winter. (laughs) So I can write a little bit more in the evenings during the summertime. And then I write a lot on the weekends. I get up in the morning, I get my coffee, I feed my horses, I sit down at my computer and I write for, you know, two, three hours and hopefully I'll write a little bit more in the afternoon too, if I have time, but yeah, it's just making the time to do it. And even when you're not a very fast writer, it's just plugging along and plugging along. And every time you write another page, it's another page towards the end of your, your story. So, and it's better than not having any words on that page. That's fantastic advice. So what I'm hearing is really it's that commitment to putting your buns in the chair and mm-hmm. sitting down and writing and making the decision I'm going to write faster. And the best way to do that is sit down and and get behind the keyboard and and do the work and keep right. pulling up those days. And Absolutely. it's it's working. I mean, look at you. You yeah. you've got all these books out and I was like I was watching this you know I'm a big fan of yours so I you know behind the scenes I check out we follow each other on social media I'm like look at her she's flying (laughs) she's got these books coming out that's why I was excited to talk to you because I'm like you're doing it and I love that too and you're committed to this being something that brings income and you're 100% right The the more books you put out there the more you have in your backlist the more that becomes a possibility so you're uh, you're doing it. So Ma- Maple Bay series is this like what you would consider a cowboy ro- sweet romance series? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome because yes. that is right up my alley. So it stays true to you know the fact that you enjoy writing about horses and the Western lifestyle. So it's you're staying true to who you are and that absolutely. that aspect of your brand as well. Also, not only are you writing faster, but with the series, what I understand is you're writing to market. Can you talk a little bit about? that and what that means and and why you decided to take that route too? Part of writing to the market is understanding tropes and, and I can touch on that a little bit here too, but, but one of the big tropes in my Maple Bay series is small town and cowboys (laughs) (laughs) and all of that series will always have a Western element to it. It's not as 
deep of a plot line as like the Red Rock Ranch series. That those are really my heart books. Like I really write about the the horse human connection in that one. And Maple Bay does have that too, but it's not as strong. The romance plot line is the strongest plot line in all of my Maple Bay series. So writing to market, I have a couple of recommendations for for books, which and for podcasts, which really help me to understand this. It almost seems like it's logical, but it's not something that I knew anything about before I started listening to, to these podcasts and um, reading these books. But basically a trope, I'll explain that first, but like a trope is a, a plot device or a character type that you write into your stories that readers can easily recognize. And so when they go to your Amazon product page and they see your cover, you know, they may see my Maple Bay cover. And like you said, oh, oh, that looks like there's a cowboy on there, you know, and I like cowboys. And so I, I'm interested now. I, now I'll read your blurb, you know, and I'll see what this story is about. And so I'll take maybe I'll take starting over in Maple Bay as an example. When I was writing this series, I actually started with a trope list. So each of these books, I figured out which tropes I wanted in this story. And then I made the, the plot, the characters in the plot from there. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, uh, I figured out I wanted to write, I love small town romances. Mm-hmm. That's like my favorite, one of my favorite tropes. Uh, cowboy is also one of my favorite tropes. And so both of those are main tropes in all of my Maple Bay books. But I also, with this one, I have an inheritance trope because yes, which I love. I love those as well. (laughs) Um, The main, the heroine, she inherits an old carriage house from her biological mother who she never met. And so the first chapter starts out with her going to Maple Bay, which is she's never been to Maple Bay. And she is going for the reading of her biological mother's will. And she learns that she has inherited this carriage house. And she also learns of a sister that uh, she didn't know she had. Um, And so that is a a major plot line in this story as well. But the inheritance, that is a trope. This one also has a neighbor's trope in it because the hero ends up being her neighbor. He lives in the little cottage next door to to the carriage house. There's also a single dad trope. I don't know about you, but that's one of my favorite tropes when I see it in in a book uh, because you just, you just like, I don't know, that squeezes at your heart, like the single dad that's, you know, mm-hmm. working on his own to, to raise his kids. Uh, and then there's also the sibling's best friend because the sister that she meets in the first chapter, uh, her best friend is the hero. So I start with the tropes. I usually just start brainstorming in a notebook. I figure out a lot of times I gravitate towards tropes that I really like to write, um, read and write, but you want to kind of have this balance of tropes that are repellents for the hero and heroine, which should force them apart and create conflict and tropes that are basically an adhesion 
that bring them together. So if I was still talking about starting over with Maple Bay, like in the an adhesion trope is the neighbor's trope. They're forced to be in the same proximity because they live next door to each other, which causes all kinds of running it, you know, running into each other, all kinds of fun stuff. That's actually one of my favorite tropes. The inheritance trope is an adhesion that because she's basically in order to get this carriage house, she has to live in Maple Bay for a, for a full summer. So she's forced to live there and learn about the people and her sister and the cowboy. Jesse is the cowboy. And then like a repellent trope would be the fact that he, a sibling's best friend, Jesse is her sister's best friend. And so that causes conflict about Mm. when they kind of start falling, falling for each other and, and whatnot. So the tropes are, are part of writing to market. And if I were to summarize up writing to market in like a a line or two, I would say writing to market is researching and understanding the current trends and the genre that you want to write in. Hmm. So really understand not just the genre as a whole, but what is trending right now and what's popular in tropes, what's popular in storylines, what's popular on covers, Hmm. what the price points are on the top sellers, all of that, and then putting that into your book, because ultimately you want to, I mean, I don't know, I'm, I want to sell books. So (laughs) I want to ultimately, I love writing, but I also love sharing my stories. And so I want my book to get in the hands of readers. And if I package it right, so that it piques your curiosity and you buy my book, then you, then you get to see if you like my writing. Mm -hmm. So you have to sell the book before that reader can even get to your writing and realize, Oh, this is great. You know, I love this storyline. I love this person's voice. You know, I want to read more of Mm -hmm. of their books too. So it's, it's really a selling tool. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for explaining all of that. I mean, clearly yeah. you, you took a deep dive and you educated yourself. I feel like I just got a masterclass in uh, tropes <laughs> right there. Uh, and then you said you had some really great recommendations as resources for people. Uh, you said you had a couple books and a podcast that, that people could check out if they're interested in writing uh, in this, in this vein. So this podcast made a huge difference in my writing and it's as I, I actually watch them on YouTube I think you can listen to the podcast as well but they're called the writing gals and it's three or I'm sorry it's four indie uh indie authors that write in the sweet romance genre and they share a ton of information about what works for them for marketing what works for them with writing craft. And they just talk too about like their struggles or the things they've learned. They're just really sweet people. I've gotten to know them through social media and um, they are very supportive of the indie community as well and very helpful. And they are really what started me on my path to writing to market and understanding tropes. And so they, I a hundred percent 
go to their the Writing Gals uh, YouTube channel. They have a Facebook group, which, which is really supportive as well. And start watching the videos there. I like to, when I cook dinner at night, I put my phone on the counter and I turn on one of my YouTube podcasts and I'm always like trying to learn and multitask. I do that when I'm cleaning stalls in the barn at <laughs> night too. Uh, so I try to soak up as much information as I can. So I, I highly recommend the writing gals and to go along with that. One of the writing gals has, she has actually two books that I, I really recommend. There's how to write a swoon worthy sweet romance novel. And that is by Victorine Leske, L-I-E-S-K-E. And she really breaks down writing to market tropes. And then she actually navigates you through one of her books and she puts comments in of why she did this. Like you'll be reading her book and then there'll be a highlighted section and, and she'll say, you know, now I have to pull them apart because, you know, you know, to cause more tension here or conflict here. And that's why I did, why I did this. And so it's really, really interesting. And then actually at the end of that book, she has a full list of tropes. Every every trope that she's become aware of, she puts this whole list together. And I use that a lot of times when I'm writing a new book, because I like to start with my tropes, I will go to that list and I'll just start reading through it. (laughs) And sometimes it'll spark you know, some creativity, or I'll just start writing, writing down the different tropes from that list that I'm interested in. And I kind of connect the dots from, from there too. So that I really, I recommend her book. She actually has one as well. That's how to write a swoon worthy second chance romance, which is another major trope, the second (laughs) chance romance. And that one's really really good too. Do you watch the six, six figure author podcast? Yes. yes. That is another one I watched religiously. They, that's three indie authors as well. And, uh, two of them are fantasy. One writes fantasy and romance, and they really talk about marketing. Hmm. And so I have learned a lot about marketing there through their podcast. Another great one is actually put on by Amazon uh, KDP University, and they do interviews, and they're all indie authors, and they're the bigwigs in mm. the community, and they're all different types of genres. It'll be like romance, fantasy, horror, uh, and the lady who interviews them asks them about their writing craft, asks them about marketing, asks them how they got to the point where they're making well over six figures. I mean, there's some really big authors that are on that show. And I've learned a lot from just listening to them talk about their their books and their marketing too. I highly recommend, I actually got turned on to this. This is not a book. This is actually a report, uh, analytical report that I got turned on to from the Writing Girls YouTube channel. It's called Klytics, K with a dash lytics.com. And uh, the owner of it is Alex Newton. And he is this amazing with data. And he started creating these reports for authors so that he analyzes categories in Amazon. So he has these different reports on the site that you can pay for. They are not expensive. I want to say it's like 40 bucks 
to buy a full report and he gives you all the data he's analyzed from that category. So I can buy a report on the clean and wholesome category. And I did that before I wrote uh, my first Naples Bay book. And he breaks down all the top selling authors, publishers, and books in that category. And he breaks it down to like the tropes, you know, the keywords that you'll find in titles and blurbs. Um, wow. He breaks down, uh, I know one of your questions was about how I decided on my retails. Mm -hmm. that's how I decided on my retails because he breaks down the top sellers in that category and what is selling the most, what retail is selling the most quantity, what retail is the most profitable. And for the clean and wholesome category, it's the eBooks, it's the 399. That's the most profitable. So you're not necessarily, not necessarily selling the most quantity, but you are selling a quantity in which you're making the profit that you're making is, is the highest. Wow. So, yeah. His reports are amazing. And when you buy them, you get like this PDF. It's like, I don't know, 80 pages long. <laughs> and, but he also does like an hour long summary video. So you can watch the video and he talks you through the whole report. I like data and analytics, but I, I think even for somebody who's not really into that, it's it's not dry, it's not boring. It's it's I think it's really exciting because he's talking about books the whole time. Mm -hmm. And he breaks down the top uh books in the category. He'll have a full list of all their blurbs. So you can start looking through blurbs and oh, and like what's helping these things sell. That's amazing. Yes, it is really it's totally amazing. And he does every genre. He does the romance genre as a whole, mm -hmm. which I always buy that too, because um, the romance genre as a whole, a lot of the tropes uh, cross over. And so it's really good to know what's going on in that genre as a whole as well. And I mean, he does everything, fantasy, military, anything you can think of, mystery. Billionaire. So it, yeah. <laughs> he might have a billionaire one. That's a good trope. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Who doesn't yes. like the billionaire trope? That is I amazing. Know. So it's K-Lytics, like K-Lytics. Yeah. And I'll make sure to link to all these places that uh, Brittany's recommended and all these resources in the show notes for sure. So you can get straight to those. It's amazing. Yeah, I love his stuff. And you know, when I was writing that first book, I looked through those top sellers in that Kalytics report for the clean and wholesome. And I picked out the trends. Actually, that's one of the first things I did. I figured out, I looked at the list. I looked at the top 10 in that category and I read all those books. Mm -hmm. And I, cause I wanted to understand why are these books so popular? And then I also try to pick out similarities between the books and figure out what, what was making those sales and a lot, actually there's a, at that time, there was a lot of books that focused around restoring an inn or doing some type of fixer upper. And that is one of the main reasons I put the inheritance trope into starting over with Maple Bay because she, the, it's a total fixer upper. So that's part of this, the storyline is her fixing up this carriage house and she turns it into a bed and breakfast. Oh. And that's a major theme in or was a major theme in a lot of uh the top sellers of that the clean and wholesome category so that is amazing so you like 
you like really got in there and like got into the guts of things before you yeah. started writing this series. You know, this is an awesome approach and thank you for like pulling back the curtains on all this. So, so when you, when you started your Maple Bay series, you did all this research, you educated yourself on the genre, you, you read the top sellers, you looked at the threads and the things that were similar. You looked at how you wanted to price these, what the price point was. I mean, you did all this stuff before yeah. you got going. And you, you know, you thought through your tropes when you started the series, I mean, you started with the first book, but did you map how many books you wanted to have in the series? And did you map like the storyline heading that way? Like how did, how did you decide how the series was going to look? I did not. Mm. I wish I could do that. That's something I've, I've discovered along the way about myself is I kind of fall in between a pantser and a plotter <laughs> and <laughs> I'm like in the middle I, I can kind of tell you what I do before a book to figure out the the plot but if I plot something out too much it mm. takes away my excitement for writing mm-hmm. and it's because I really like discovering things as I'm writing mm-hmm. and so I kind of have to let myself go a little bit and I'm I like control so that it's actually kind of hard to <laughs> to do <laughs> but I know I didn't know everywhere I was going to go with this series I found that I discovered characters as I was writing the first book that I wanted to tell their stories mm-hmm. in more books and so for instance like in the first book one of Jesse's the here the hero Jesse the cowboy One of his best friends is named Creed, and he makes a couple appearances in the first book. So you get to kind of see Creed in action, and you get to know him, and I want to build that interest with that character in the first book, and then he's the hero in my second book. And so you get introduced to him in the first book with enough information, hopefully, as a reader that you're interested in him, and you want to know his love story in the second book. The same thing happened with the third book because there's a cousin, Jesse's cousin, Myra. (laughs) She is in the first book and the second book as a secondary character. And I loved her from the second, like I started writing her because she is a no BS cowgirl. (laughs) 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 And I love her sassy attitude. And I knew like as soon as I started writing her that I wanted to write her story too. So her story is in the third book. Mm. So I would say that my books come from characters as I'm writing. I don't necessarily have the series all plotted plotted out, but I do have two more books in mind. So there's there will be at least five mm. in the Maple Bay series. That is so exciting. I love yeah. that. And, and and it just shows like the the growth that you experience as an author you know it's like now you're writing faster you you're you're yeah. figuring out kind of like the writing to market component you wrote your your heart books and you wrote the fantasy yeah. series and those you had great success with those and now you're trying something a little bit more mainstream and I love it because you're researching what people want because often and I know authors read kind of all over the place but like you said right as we started this interview you love to read books that have an element of romance I am exactly the same way so I'm always looking for something like that and the cowboy always hooks me a horse always hooks me people always go back to the same things and they recognize those covers and so you're just you're checking this out and you're having great success and I just love it because there's this growth 
but you have, you know, you have to, I think you have to write those heart books Mm -hmm. and know you can write a book and get those stories out of you and then understand the business and then, and then take on what you're doing now, which is really, really exciting. I hundred percent agree. If you don't get those out of basically get them out of your system, they're just going to take up space in your head. You need, you need not take up space, but you write your heart you know, write your heart book, write the thing you're super passionate about, but know that your heart book always isn't going to make you a ton of money. Right. Exactly. It it could, it could cross over with what's, what people want in the marketplace, but you should write those books because you love those stories Mm -hmm. and write to market books. You should love those stories too, but you just take more into consideration, I think, before Mm -hmm. you write those books. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And have you, you know, have you done anything differently with this? I mean, I know you've done a lot differently with the series, but like, yeah. but as far as, you know, it rap, more rapidly releasing you are, and I know you've done a couple of pre-orders and things, and I know you did yeah. deep dive research, but how, how are you, and, but this is for an, for an adult market, not adults like your other books as well. And do, I mean, I'm an adult, right. I love them. Uh, but have you, done anything differently to reach your readers around the Maple Bee series because it is a little bit different than where you were before? Yes. I would say I basically, I mean, I published the first Red Red Ranch book in 2013. And like I said, I was, you know, one or two a year I was publishing and trying to learn as much as I could during that time. And I've basically taken what I've learned and put it all into Maple Bay series. I also took a course on Facebook ads Mm. and I've been running Facebook ads on the Maple Bay series, not continuously, but pretty continuously since the first one came out. And I've also tested Amazon ads with this series. Actually, there's another book, Elena Johnson writes a great non-fiction series and she writes about, she is an extremely prolific writer and she has multiple pen names. She writes in the Christian Western romance, as well as like women's fiction and sweet romance. And she, I don't even know how many books she has. She has well over a hundred books. Oh, wow. And She's yes. built her backlist. <laughs> yes, she has built her backlist. And she is super knowledgeable. Actually, the writing gals did an interview with her. If you go on their channel, you can see an interview with her. She talks about when you're testing and advertising, you need to do things one at a time so that you know what is working for your book because not everything is going to work for every book. And Facebook may be stronger for these books, whereas Amazon advertising may be stronger for these books or this author. Or... Um, the promotion sites uh, like BookBub or BookCave, Faithful Reads, Mm. Book Rebel. Sometimes books work best in those avenues too. And I have experimented with all three in the past year. And I've discovered that Facebook ads work really well for my my Maple Bay series. I'm still learning it's funny because I, I work with Amazon ads for my real job <laughs> and you would think that it would come easy, but I feel like Amazon ads can be tricky to get them to, to, to spend and convert. Mm-hmm. So I'm still 
playing with that a little bit, but what I've noticed works best for the Maple Bay ones is just their auto ads where Amazon uses their algorithm to, to match up your book with what they think is a comparable book. And it really spreads the net pretty wide rather than focusing on certain ASINs or authors. For me, uh, that's what's worked worked best for me. And I've tried the category ads as well. And, and those work okay too, but I think that the auto ads so far have worked the best for Maple Bay. Facebook works the best, is the best conversion for that series. And that I've had to do a lot of testing with different images, what I target. Uh, and, and for me on Facebook, it works best for me to target similar traditional published authors. So like I target like Debbie McComer, Susan Mallory, Brenda Novak. I think those are my main three that I target, but you can't really target indie authors on Facebook, but you can target traditional authors. So you have to figure out what big traditional authors are most similar to your books and then have Facebook serve ads up to people who read those books. So. Wow. I mean, I don't know how you have time to write and write your course <laughs> and, and do your daily job with how much research you're doing. And I, I mean, wow. I mean, talk about, I mean, I harp on this all the time on the show about educating yourself, but you have done the work. I mean, and you have yeah. created a package that, that works. And, and I love how you mentioned, you know, targeting like authors, but what you're doing is you are, you, your blurb, your cover, your tropes, like everything you've done makes that easier because it's exactly what that reader is going to expect. Right. So hundred percent. And you know, so I know I always think about how, you know, I try to be aware of how I purchase products. I realize like you and I are not always the average reader because we're a little bit more, we're more in tune because we write and we market. And so what we how we purchase may not be exactly how the typical reader purchases, but it takes a lot to turn me on to an author that I have never read before. Mm-hmm. And if I see an author that I already know, I love her books, and she comes out with a new book that hits the the tropes I like, like I see an author that I, one of my favorites, and I see a cowboy romance come out. I'm not even reading the blurb. I'm clicking. (laughs) I am like, all right, I need that right (laughs) now. Mm -hmm. But with somebody I've never read before, I, you know, I have to be pulled into their book through the cover. Yeah. I have to find it first of all. Mm you know, which that's where the advertising is so important. And then I have to be pulled in through the cover, through the blurb. I will look inside the book and read the first page before I even go to reviews. Mm -hmm. Reviews are kind of my last, the last thing that I go to. And then if I'm sold on all those things, I will click. But it takes a lot more if nobody, if that reader hasn't read your book before and doesn't know your voice. Mm-hmm. And then once you sell that product, then, you know, like I said before, then then they realize, oh, I like the way this person writes the stories. I like their voice. I like their characters. And I want to read read more by that, by that person. Mm-hmm. But if you don't package uh, your book correctly, you're never going to get to to that point. If I use like a real world example outside of the, like the book market, I think of like Starbucks or McDonald's, like 
when I go into Starbucks and I know I want a pumpkin spice latte, Mm -hmm. I would be highly disappointed if I asked for a pumpkin spice latte and they give me a black coffee. Mm. You know, (laughs) it's like if it's packaged in a certain way, you also have to have the writing craft. You have to write a good story because if the person buys the package and then they get into a story and they realize it's not what they thought it was going to be, that's a negative review or that's, you know, they're, they're just move on to another author. Mm -hmm. And I think people have such short, short attention spans nowadays. And, and there's so much out there that it's, I, I think of the, I'm, I think like this as a reader, if I don't get into a book in like the first 20%, I put it down and I move on to the next book because there's just so much out there, so many good books, and I don't want to waste time on a book that I'm not into Mm. that hasn't hooked me by the 20% mark or so. Yeah. Oh, great, great points. And what I like about this too is I believe that with what you're doing with the Maple Bay series, you'll see a lift in Red Rock Ranch and Overruled, or you may, you probably already are because I love your writing and I can't imagine, yes, maybe you did research on tropes and yes, maybe this is definitely writing to market, but I can't imagine your writing style and the way you're, you're soft with your language has changed at all. You're just telling right. your stories in a different sort of package. So I imagine right. whoever, you know, when people read that series, they're going to go right back and pick up your other books for sure. Right. Right. And that, that's how, I mean, that's ultimately what you want. Like, as as I was saying, building your backlist, you, you want to sell a reader on, on one book and then have them be so excited about that story that they want to read more of your work too. And actually I was just going to note on that too. Readers will read both my Maple Bay and my Red Rock Ranch series, but a lot of them do not convert over to my fantasy series. And that is something I didn't take into consideration when I was writing that series, the fantasy series. I love that series, but it's so different from my other series that a lot of times people won't convert over to to that series or they will really enjoy the overruled series, but they may not like a contemporary romance. Mm -hmm. So there's that one has a small crossover. So I would say just take that into consideration when you're writing books as an author that you really want to understand, I guess, your brand and stay stay in a similar genre mm-hmm. if you want to sell your whole like your whole backlist and have that convert. But write the story if it really calls to you. And that that's really what happened with that overworld series. I couldn't get it out of my head, so I had to write it, but it took up a lot of time and <laughs> there's not a lot of crossover there. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to market that series, I have to market it to a different set of readers. Absolutely. And, and what you're speaking to is people read what they read, what they like, what they like. And that's why they right. keep going back to right. the same author. There is a book called Romancing the Beat. It is by Gwen Hayes. It is a very short little book. It's maybe, I don't know, 60 pages, 80 pages. But she breaks down the beats of a traditional romance and she writes it in a like easy to consume and understand way. And I really reference that when I am writing my Michael Bay series. And she breaks down like why, you know, you have to have them 
why you need to have the meat cute and where that falls in this story and why you have to have the black moment or the dark moment where they, the hero and the heroine is like their lowest point where they, they're pulled apart because, you know, you're going to build them back together for their, their happily ever after at the end. But she really breaks it down and it is a really good reference tool for romance writers of all genres. I love, I love her book. And then the other one that made writing craft that really made a huge difference, uh, I think, with my Maple Bay series, there's a book called Story Genius by Lisa Cron. I love that one. That one I had, I buy all my nonfiction books. I like them in paperbacks because I like to highlight. And that one is highlighted all <laughs> up. <laughs> and I've got tabs on it and whatnot. But I just really like how she she breaks down like how you prepare to write a story. And for me, that made a big difference, I mm-hmm. think, in my Maple Bay books because I did a lot of free writing on the characters before I started figuring out the plot. Mm-hmm. So I really knew the characters' backstories before I started on their actual story. And so I knew them well. And I think that's that actually is probably one of the reasons I'm writing faster is I I know my characters so well that I'm not second guessing a lot. I'm just going. I'm like, oh yeah, she would say this, he would do that, he would, you know, so it's coming out faster, I guess, because I've done the preparations for that. The first part of her book, she breaks down the brain science of readers. So she explains why people like stories, what they're attracted to in stories. And that is really fascinating. Yeah, I read that one too. Highly recommend. I mean, I'm really inspired by what you're doing and how fast you're writing and what you're doing with this new series. You're so open about sharing it. You know, it's like you're not hiding any of this. It's like out there for all of us, but like you just put it in a little bundle for us. So all of us wanting to write romance can go out and, and check out these resources or, or writing in general. Yes. Is, was that all of the books you had on your list or do you have a couple others? Those, I think I've, yeah, I've mentioned all the craft books, but I know you actually recommended to me the Amazon Decoded by David Gogren. Mm-hmm. That's amazing to understand. This sounds totally dorky but metadata and how that affects your searchability for your mm-hmm. books as far as Amazon that is a, a fabulous fabulous book so and yeah and then Chris Fox has a has a lot of books in his six-figure author series too he has one called using data to sell books and that was a short a short read too so that one's really good yeah, that's awesome. And and thank you for sharing all this stuff. But what I want to make sure that listeners who are listening to the show right now understand is like none of this, this, this is like the geek out stuff that starts happening when you're trying to understand how to build your backlist and actually make income, right? But right. this does not strip your joy of writing at all. Yeah. This is right. I just want to like, this is, it sounds like a lot of, a lot and a lot of work. But this is a fun, it's fun to kind of peel back all these layers of the onion and understand how people want story or how people are buying our packages. Mm -hmm. And this is really fun, you know, and I don't believe it changes the process of writing or how fun writing is. It it just gives you a different like goal, right? Like you set a goal, this gives you a different thing to aim for. You know, you wrote your heart books, you did it your way. But as you learn, like these are fun challenges to take on. Am I saying that yeah, right? Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And I would say the marketing stuff 
I really didn't get into that much until the past couple of years, mm-hmm. really focusing on it. It totally doesn't take away my joy of writing. In fact, I think it increases it because I know there's more people reading the stories that I want to tell. Mm-hmm. And that makes me happy. And I want to share them. So that may that goal may be different for other people too. So it's not like you have to market to that extent to write and to enjoy writing. But for me, I, I enjoy that. Oh yeah. It's fun. I just feel like it's, it's figuring it out and there's always, there's always a new challenge waiting and it's exciting stuff. I mean, you've made a big investment in your education around making the business work for you, the book business, business work for you. And you said you took a course and, and Facebook ads, which really helped you out. But for you, what has been the best investment that you've made so far in your author career being like having now 10 books just about under your belt? I think that the best investment honestly is the, uh, the time that I have put into networking with other indie authors, Mm -hmm. finding the tribe of people that I gel with. I'm actually in a writing critique group now, uh, which got put together through the Writing Girls Facebook group. Um, So I have, uh, there's five of us total and that we all write sweet romance. And so we meet weekly on video, on Facebook Messenger video, and we critique each other's work and we just support each other, you know, supporting each other and networking and sharing information. It just helps everybody grow stronger. Mm -hmm. And then I would say, yeah, the time that I spend listening to podcasts. And then I did take a conference. I did do the Writing Gals conference in 2020. And that was before I started Maple Bay. And that was all indie authors. And that was all kinds of topics. And that was super inspirational and tons of information. Uh, So that's been a really good investment. I just took an online course. I love to learn. So like, if I could be in school all the time, I would be. (laughs) I took a course that was put on by Hallmark uh, producers. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was really, really neat. It was a Zoom course. It was two nights. It was live. And it was put on three by an executive producer for Hallmark and then two producers. And they talked about, they broke down the structure that Hallmark requires of each of their movies. And then they talked about production and how it is to, like, if you wanted to write, eventually write a script that would... (sighs) yeah, going to Hallmark. So that was really cool. So it's cool to expand your boundaries, I guess, Mm -hmm. and push yourself to learn as much as you can, because I I will use that information in my writing and, and hopefully someday I will, you know, use it in a movie setting too. You know, you got to think big. Yes, ma'am. I a hundred percent agree and have your back on that for sure. The, the, the Hallmark thing, uh, how did, how did you discover that? Like, did it just flow through your Facebook home feed or something? Is that how it came up? And they targeted me with an ad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's actually yeah. the kind of ad you might want to get. Like how, right. 
how neat. I would have loved to sit down on something like that. And I know that you love Hallmark movies because uh, I do. I, I've read yeah, I do, I do. Yeah, following you. I, I know that. Yes. How cool. And I love that. I think learning keeps your brain working and keeps you young and helps you grow at the creative endeavors you're, you're after. And uh, I, I am excited to see where you go with the script writing thing. We might have to have you back to to talk about where you're heading yeah. with that one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see on the script writing, but but I know it's going to affect how I write my my stories too. So it's another thing to consider when I'm plotting out. Definitely. Yeah. I love that. So you were yeah. saying your, your best investment was just taking time to mm-hmm. learn and taking time to network and then yes. making investments in those two spaces where it suits your needs or pricks your interests, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then networking is so valuable because not only do you create like a support group of people who understand like when you're struggling and you can talk to or message or email and they support you through, you know, all the highs and stuff too. Uh, But it also creates opportunities Mm -hmm. for you because you start creating this group of people who they, they get to know you, they like you, and they want to do more stuff with you. And and actually, that's one of the reasons, that's how I got invited to be a part of this multi-author series for my Christmas novella. So that actually was another connection that I grew from the writing gals. So one of the, another indie author, she writes... She writes sweet cowboy romance. <laughs> we both released a first book, a first book in both of our series right around the same time. We did newsletter swaps because we are connected through the, the writing girls group. But anyhow, this this author, we got to know each other. She's we're actually in the critique group together now. And she she created a multi-author novella series and invited me to be a part of that series. And so there's six authors in total. We all are writing sweet romance novellas set in the same town, which is Silverleaf Falls, Vermont. And we use all the same characters. So in my my novella is called Christmas in Silverleaf Falls. My hero was actually introduced in the book that released before me. So the writer that released it before me, when she wrote that book, I read it and just double checked. I told her all about my character and then she wrote it into a scene (laughs) and then I read it and just made sure it all aligned with how I had it in my head that my, my character would speak and look. And then I use secondary characters in my book from all the other books, especially because my book was the last book. So I grabbed a character from every one of the five before me and injected them into different scenes in my book too. That was super fun because we got to share ideas and I got to read everybody's books before I was writing or as I was writing. And that gave me a lot of inspiration as well too. How fun. What a neat project. Like very, very cool. And it's not a novella, which is what a 30,000 words or 50. Yeah, exactly. So so the author, Christina Boutram, she's the one that that ran this series and she laid out 
everything she would expect of your book. We write a book between 25,000 and 35,000 words. So we all have like, basically your packaging, she packaged that series. So it would have a similar voice, similar characters, and hopefully pull readers all the way through that series and introduce readers to, we're all pulling from our reader groups that we have already established. And hopefully you will get a lot of new readers that have never read you before. And then they move on to your other books as well. It's super so. smart. Is it like a box set or are these individual books? Like in individual books. Okay. So I set my book up in KDP under my my account. I I get all the money from it. It comes directly into me, just like all my other books would. But then we link them together as a series through Amazon. And you can do that by reaching out to Amazon through KDP or your author central accounts. It worked pretty seamlessly. So we all have a series page. We're all linked together. And then we all push each other's books through our newsletters. We're going to set up like a promo schedule as now that my book will be released. And so one book from the series is always getting pushed on like a 99 cent deal every month going forward. So brilliant. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing. I mean, like you are up to so many amazing things right now. That is so cool. (laughs) I love that. Speaking of being up to a lot of things, you actually have this other cool thing uh, on your on your website where you offer fun merchandise designs that are related to the characters in your Red Rock Ranch series. I, yes. I, talk to us a little bit about your your merchandising uh, arm of of Brittany Joy books. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So a couple of things. So when I first started this, I wanted another income stream, but I also making different designs is kind of like therapeutic for me, I guess. It's almost, I mean, like I'm not a good drawer or painter, but making a pretty, you know, font or, or a pretty image and making them come together is a little bit therapeutic and relaxing for me. And so when I first started this, I actually went like full force onto it because I worked with a company that does print on demand, like coffee cups. It was mainly coffee cups and like travel mugs. And I would use images or copy that was inspired from like my Red Rock Ranch books. And I would make them into a design. But I was, I was working with a a group that I was paying a monthly like membership fee to do this, to be part of this. And then I also was selling them on Amazon, which you pay when you're doing a product on Amazon, you are paying a monthly fee Mm. to, to do that. And they, they take a lot of fees. They cut into a lot of profit profitability. So I was having fun. I was making some money, but it was taking a lot of time and effort. And I ultimately got to a point where I was like, I'm not making enough money that this is worth the time and effort that I'm putting into this. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I would rather be spending these hours or my brain space thinking about my writing. And so what I actually did is I found a company and they're called Threadless. And they are a print on demand company as well that you can create like coffee mugs, t-shirts, notebooks, tote bags, all this fun stuff. And they do not 
require any type of monthly fee. You j- they just take a percent when you make a sale. Mm-hmm. And so I have a few, like I have a handful of designs that I have up there and I, I'd like to add some more in maybe some quotes from like books and stuff on coffee mugs would be fun, but I just kind of do it for funsies. Mm-hmm. But I think for some authors, it could really be another good income stream. So it's something to keep in consideration, especially if you have, like, if you think about, I don't know, like, I remember when Twilight was really big and everybody was, was like, just thinking Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> everybody was like, I'm team Edward or I'm team Jacob. Like if you have that type of story and you can play on that and have like shirts that say team Edward, team Jacob, or, you know, like a funny quotes or thing or images from, from your books. And you can pay out a lot of the images I um, paid a, a designer to design uh, and I got in contact with them through a group called Fiverr. Mm-hmm. If you've ever used, yeah. So it was not expensive. And so it's just, it's just so fun. It's another thing to consider. I have one of Brittany's coffee cups here. <laughs> she sent it to me after our last podcast interview. And it's so cute. Coffee, walk, jog, lope, repeat. <laughs> Go check out her website, which I'll link to in the, uh, Show notes, you can get yourself one of these great mugs. I I just, I love this. It's so cool. Thank you. Well, and I love, I know we've talked about this too before, but I love, I know you love coffee too, but (laughs) it's an essential. Yes. (laughs) Coffee, creativity, and horses, and good friends. I think that's like the, the, oh, and dogs. Gotta have our dogs. Yeah, (laughs) dogs. Anything furry. (laughs) So. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Awesome. I mean. Uh, you are up to so much and you know you've got this the maple bay series is rolling you know you're you're building your backlist you have this new collaboration uh series with other authors you've got your merchandising going so you know Brittany what are you curious about I just honestly I wish that I wrote faster than I do because I have so many story ideas and I are I have like a couple pretty solid additional series stories ideas that I want to tackle and so I'm just going to keep writing and writing and writing I know I'm gonna do at least five in this Maple Bay series and then I'm I have ideas for other ranch cowboy series I have some ideas where I want to dabble and inject a little bit more mystery into my romances. So I I just have a lot going on in my head, but I know I'm just going to keep writing because it makes me happy. So I love it. And I I love that it makes you happy. I love that you're going to keep writing. It's so good. It's so awesome to have all these ideas and not enough time to get them down on the page. So at least you're never going to dry up and then I know one day I'm going to see a Hallmark movie that you've, <laughs> that you've scripted and you know that is that is so awesome and but now what I love is you're looking at how do I make this something that I can do full-time long-term and you're looking at the the business side of things which is which right. is really really cool and I think that that's where we all aspire to get to so and and you're sharing all your knowledge and letting people in into your process. So I cannot wait to see you grow and keep shining. And I love your writing. You're doing all the right stuff. And 
I don't know how you you. find the time for it, but (laughs) would you let listeners know where they can find out more information about you, your merchandise, your books online? Absolutely. So my website is brittanyjoybooks.com and is B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y joybooks.com. And I have links like on my bio page to my Facebook page, my Instagram page, Goodreads page. I'm like you're saying, I'm pretty active on Goodreads as far as like, I keep track of all of what I read personally on there. Cause I just like to, I'm like a list person. So it makes me happy to like, know <laughs> see what I've read this year and what I, what I want to read. So I'm pretty active on there. I'm also active really active on Facebook and that and I'm on Facebook at Brittany Joy Books. I'm a little bit on Instagram, but not as not as much. I would say social media wise, I spend the most time on Facebook. So yeah. I feel like sometimes as you're speaking, you're describing me. It's like I feel like <laughs> if we lived in the same state, we would be very, very good friends. And your your books are available wherever books are sold. Is that right? Or yeah, so right now all my books the eBooks are all Amazon exclusive. Okay. So I am learning more and more about uh, how to take books, what they call take them wide, which basically would mean putting into all distribution channels. But right, right now I started off with being exclusive to Amazon essentially because it was the easiest route and it was one less, I didn't want to manage <laughs> all the channels. And so now I'm learning a little bit more about taking my books wide and how that would be a positive for me. But I also know that romance is so huge through the Kindle Unlimited program. Yeah. And that has really made a difference in my sales dollars mm-hmm. with the Maple Bay series. And so I don't, I don't know the, the romance stuff. I may hundred percent keep in KDP. I don't know. I'm always trying to learn new, new stuff, but right now all the eBooks are available in K, uh, Kindle unlimited and Amazon exclusive and the paperbacks are available wherever the paperbacks are sold too. So Awesome. Well, you know, and keep learning. I mean, that's, that's how you grow as an author and that's how this becomes a career and and you're doing it. So I have so enjoyed the gift of your time today, Brittany. Thank you so much for for sharing so much great information. Thank you for having me on. And again, I love your podcast and thank you for being so supportive of indie authors in the community, because that's how we all lift each other up. And so it's awesome. Yay, I feel the same way about you. (laughs) Authors Unite, that's where it's at. Yes. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes. And make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. 
Visit my contact page at curlykidcreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.